Uzi's and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the benches. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice, Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day, struggle and the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic. Chopping up the lotto pick, get it poppin', partner when we weaving in and out of it. It's on topic in sync, tell you what we think. Let the thoughts link, let the truth sink. Yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link. Yeah, yeah, let the truth sink. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. Because you took forever to call me. Oh, my fault. Everything's my fault. Let me know when you're ready to rock, Zo. Where the hell did he go? Look at all those damn trophies in the background. I can't stand that. I'm going to need him to start recording from a different area of his house. Nobody, Nobody needs to see, see all those, those accolades. accolades. All right? All right. This guy's got Cal trophies, Bills trophies, toughest man trophies. Yeah, it should be on it. Can you hear me? Yep. Hello? Hello? You there? I'm here. Zoe? Zoe, you there? OC? I'm right here. Do you see Zoe at all? I see Zoe, yeah. He's frozen. Now he's not. Hey, I'll be right back. Let me reset this computer. You got us, Zoe? Just restart the call, Zach. What we got to do, I think. I hope. You good? I'm good for a little bit. Okay. You got the triple digits on your bottom right-hand corner set on your microphone? The triple digits. Where it says more, and then you go to audio and video settings, and then you click on the mic that you have instead of the internal microphone? Yes, thank you. I'm just walking you through it, Pippin. Well, I, I mean, why wouldn't I have that? Because it doesn't automatically pop up. You got to do it on I your own. I did it already, though, brother. Yeah. All right, Pippin. Damn. That's Dang. the way we'll start. Welcome on into the program. It is two Z's and OC. That would be Lorenzo Alexander, the diva of the group, the superstar, the uh, 15-year NFL pro. It would also be the other diva, the MMA guy who likes to flex, and he's known for – actually, I got a story for that. That would be Sean O'Connell, and then yours truly, the humble host, Zachariah, simply oh. yours. Uh, together, we are two Z's and OC. Zion I is putting the, the final touches on the intro song. I will probably have it by the releasing of this podcast that I have to edit to make you guys sound good. How are we, gentlemen? Uh, we're doing great. How are you doing, man? You – Ripping and running today, not texting nobody. You know, you was on your uh, soapbox last week, and today is something a little different. What's going on? You all right? It's nice to talk to you, gentlemen. OC, I would like to tell you, I was talking with a guy. He's a big MMA guy. And I said, that's funny. I do a podcast with a fighter. And he's like, oh, which guy? So anyways, I said your name. He didn't know who you were. No offense. I went down like different fights that you did. He didn't know who you were. No offense. But then I said, oh, he's known for his weigh-ins. You know, when you do the like, you know, nose to nose, face to face or whatever, he's the guy that does the Rochambeau or he's the guy that like serves the pizza. He's like, oh, Sean O'Connell, the Irish guy. I'm like, exactly. That's him. That's me. Yes. 
anyways, uh, you can now follow us on Twitter and Instagram. By the way, you two have not even followed us back, our group as a team, two Zs and OC. You got to spell out A-N-D. You can't do the and sign. So it's two Zs and OC on Instagram and Twitter. And then you're going to be able to follow us on all of the different platforms where you listen to your podcast. Gentlemen, week two in the books. And I just want to reiterate for all my people out there, because I know that, look, Zoe played the game, so he's going to be blah, blah, whatever. OC is going to be like, I'm somewhere in between, whatever. I'm just telling you from a fan perspective, from an individual that is consuming this, it did not get old at all. I told you a week ago that it felt like Christmas Eve. It felt like Christmas Day when Sunday came. It is the same damn thing. God bless 10 a.m. here in California, whatever time it is in every other time zone. But at 10 a.m. in Berkeley, California, in the hills, I am smiling ear to ear because football is back. Why would it get old? I mean, it's week two. I've never well, said it got old. Well, I mean, you're a little bit, you I know, watching the game. But you oh, see it from a different perspective. You are. But, yeah, I enjoy watching the games, having a lot of fun, sitting back, watching my boys around the league ball. Yes. It's a good ball going on, a lot of crazy stuff. It's been fun to watch. I know that this is the first year you out of ball, and of course you watch your team. By the way, how many teams so that we can monitor for the 2Zs and OC podcast, how many squads are you signing your allegiance to? We know the Bills, and then we know the Cardinals. Do we throw the Washington team in there? Because that's where you spent most of your time. Where are the squads that line up with Zoe? I mean, it's really the Bills. I, I mean, I cover the Cardinals as well because I'm in Phoenix and I have played for them. But I know a couple of guys over there, the GM as well. But I don't really – I don't root for them like I do the Bills because I played with them for the last four years. And then Washington is so far removed, even though I do some post-game stuff for them. So I watch them. But it's only a couple of guys that I know on the team that I'm actually cheering for versus, you know, 30 guys on the Bills roster that I know personally. And I really want to see them go far and hopefully – play for a championship so so just the bills but oh see i want to start with you you stated last week that you are a niners fan what a mash unit the niners already came in totally injured and then walked out of that thing not only garoppolo with a potential high ankle sprain the running back situation obviously bosa and solomon i mean you know rosie perez from white man can't jump you remember what she said to billy ho she said sometimes when you win you really lose. And it felt like despite the Niners getting a win against the Jets, they really lost coming out of that game. And to add insult and potentially more injury to injury, they got to stay in New York and play on that turf again against the Giants this coming weekend. So it's a, it's a ridiculous comedy of errors for the San Francisco 49ers. And we talk about all the time in sports how you got to seize the day when you get to a championship because you are never guaranteed to pass this way again. This is a loaded young roster that we saw, what, 10 minutes away from a Super Bowl victory a year ago. They were up 20 to 10 with seven minutes to go, I believe. And they couldn't get it done. And then the consolation prize for 49ers fans is supposed to be, ah, you know what, we got the core of our team locked up for a long time. It's going to be all right. We'll get back to this place. Well, you're not getting back to this place in a weird 2020 season when your best defensive <laughs> player is out for the rest of the year. When yeah. a guy really was in a make or break type situation with Solomon Thomas is in a extended absence phase. 
when your quarterback, who, by the way, still needs to figure out if he's your guy, like really the guy, but now you've got to extend that question for however long because you can't really judge a guy based 100% on his health. Your running backs are extremely important to everything that you try and do in your offense, and the best one is hurt now. Your best overall player is probably at least the guy in the conversation, George. You're just looking at a situation where the San Francisco 49ers, on paper, before this game especially, looked like a team that could be one of the favorites in the NFC. And now I'll be surprised if they're a playoff squad. About next man up, and that's how you got to look at it. You know, obviously losing Bosa is huge, and he's really irreplaceable. But if you're going to lose anybody anywhere – D-line is okay because they are so deep there and they have some other guys. Obviously, I think they're going to sign Ziggy and Nash if they haven't done it already. D Ford is going to have to come in and step up, and they're just going to have to find other ways to kind of create pressure to make things happen from a defensive standpoint. The thing that is going to hurt them the most is just the vision that they're playing in. I think they're still going to be a good football team, much like when you see like New England Patriots in the past lose key players, but because they're so well-coached and they have a great culture, great schematics, they're still able to win games and find and figure out the way nine or ten games. Their issue is that they're in the NFC West and that they're, you know, going up against the Rams who look really good, obviously the Cardinals, and then Seattle is playing lights out right now. So they can't afford to get too far behind, even though they're adding a seventh playoff team this year. It's going to be really hard for them to kind of overcome this. Luckily, they have three weaker opponents, much like the Jets this past week. So they'll have a shot if they can get through these next three weeks. Maybe have a couple of guys step up, get Richard Sherman back, and they can maybe find a way just because of who they are and what they've built culturally to maybe overcome some of these guys that they lost early in the season. But this is the best time to lose guys early on. The worst time is you have a good season, get rolling, and then here comes late November, December rolling around, and then these injuries pop up, and there's really no time to develop anybody young or get them in there to kind of gain that confidence as you hopefully be able to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about how many weapons they're missing, and I think that on top of Garoppolo, you know, possibly just not being the guy that can be such a difference maker where you can make up for those type of injuries. But I wanted to ask you, Zoe, how often do you go before a game and you go out when you're doing your pregame stretches or your routines or whatever, and you go out and you get a sense of the field because I think Shanahan was probably more vocal about it than any player that I heard per se. But how much do you go into saying something's not right here? Because it seemed like, look, I'm not putting all, look, injuries happen in football all the time, but it seemed like this might be a situation where the injuries piled up a little bit more based on the actual playing service. Yeah. You know, and it's week to week. I mean, I think everybody has their own routine, but I was a guy that went out every game pregame to see how the field was much earlier than when we go out there as a team collectively and warm up, which most people see if they come to a game just to get a feel, go through my routine, see how I'm sticking. And obviously each field is different, whether it's grass or turf. I've played on this particular turf and it's probably changed over the amount of times I've played on it several times, even going Well, back they said to- it's brand new, though. They said it's brand new this, this year. Here, Okay, so yeah. I'll say last year we played on it, and it was turf, so it's different. And so it all depends because each turf is different. Even though it's the same company, some is a little tougher, some is a little harder, some is a little softer, some has more pellets than others. But we didn't hear about it last week because the Bills played on it and were fine. That's true. Playing the Jets. And so, yeah. you know, but the Bills also play on a turf field, so they might have practiced on their own turf and got used to it versus the Niners being a natural grass team. And if you're not used to that, it is a different dynamic if you're not used to playing on turf. So that could play a role in it. 
just yeah. because of the nature of how they practice. And so, well, also, Zoe, they were non contact injuries. That's what I was saying. I like to go yeah, see yeah. how the injuries happen. Non contact, well, Bosa was locked up in his, he kind of got toppled over and it just kind of gave out on him. Yeah. And so, some of the injuries, I'm like, I don't know, did his foot get caught or did he just get put in a bad position technically or fundamentally? And that's what hurt his leg, or did somebody fall on it? That has nothing to do with turf. Maybe in grass, your foot or cleat gets out of there, and that's why guys like to prefer grass because it's more forgiving. Mm-hmm. When you plant, uh, yeah. But the reason why it's a big issue is because of the names, the guys. Because last year, we lost a guy on that turf. <laughs> nobody cared. Harrison Phillips, but because yeah. he's not a big name, yeah. nobody's talking about it. But because yeah. you have, obviously, Bosa and Solomon and Garoppolo, you got all these guys going down on, and on top of the other guys around the league that went down. Now it's this big ordeal, and everybody's talking about it. But it happens every year. So for me, I'm kind of holding my judgment that it's the turf and kind of really just looking around the league and seeing the numbers come out as far as are the injuries up because people are just talking about the turf or a lack of preseason when it happens every single year. We just don't talk about it because it's not your star players getting hurt. That's the other thing is there's a couple ways you can approach this. You can blame surfaces, which a lot of people like to do, but it's interesting because you only do it at the professional level. If you've ever noticed, you never get high school, college, no one's complaining about this surface right here is the reason for these injuries. Obviously, the stakes are a lot higher for professionals. It's their careers, their you know jobs on the line, all that money and things like that. But we get more demanding of the surface the higher the level of whatever sport, right? It doesn't matter if we're talking about baseball, football, soccer, whatever. So you can blame it on the surfaces. You could just say it's pure coincidence because, like Zell said, it happens every single year that we get a rash of injuries. But it just so happens this year it's big-name guys like he's talking about. The other thing is that preparation element. The idea that maybe because the preseason was a little bit different and the offseason was a little bit different for guys, that the preparation wasn't enough, your body wasn't in the same kind of shape. And I'm not talking about your cardiovascular shape. I'm talking about the fact that you got to put a little bit of simulated abuse on those ligaments and tendons and those bones so they can get a little bit more dense. They can scar up a little bit or whatever the proper terminology is so that when you're going at game speed and you're planting and exploding and you're twisting in ways that you haven't been for months, that now your body's ready for it. And I think that might be something that we have to take a look at if this continues next week and the week after. We had similar injuries pop up because you don't have that offseason to build that tolerance level up that you're talking about of competing and torquing on your body and throwing your body around, having a 300-pounder push you as you're trying to rip off. You get simulated versions of that during OTAs. Even though guys don't really like it, there is a purpose in hardening your body and going through those movements because it prepares you for training camp and then eventually, you know, real live action. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about whether or not a lot of these things would have gotten out of the way in preseason or OTAs if we had had a normal offseason. But uh, like you said, OC, whether or not the Niners are going to be able to overcome this, you're looking at an NFC West that's 7-1. and one. The only loss <laughs> being the Niners against the Cardinals, and it's not going to get much easier for them moving forward. And to what you're talking about in terms of the window, it's one of those things where the windows are so short. You see it in a bunch of sports. I mean, the Spurs are probably the outlier where, like, over a decade they won five titles. They never won back-to-back titles, but over a decade they were always in the mix or getting close to the Western Conference Finals or whatever. You don't see that a ton in football. The Chiefs might be able to do it with Patrick Mahomes being so young, but in general you don't get a ton where 
you're able to get there every year, every year. And this was like, you know, they did the hashtag revenge tour for the Niners because they were trying to make up for last year where they lost the Super Bowl. But losing this many key guys and Zoe, I know you're saying they're just names, so it's getting more attention than it normally would. But I don't know that they're going to be able to overcome it, especially in this division. Yeah, not at all. I'm saying it's getting more attention because of who it is. Yeah. But because of who it is, they're not going to be able to overcome it if you're missing too many of those guys because there aren't bolsters laying around. There aren't Solomon's laying around. There aren't Rick Sherman's just laying around. If they were, they would be on somebody's team. And so it's going to be hard to overcome them losing these guys. And the only way they're going to be able to do it is their culture can absorb some of that loss. Their scheme can absorb some of that loss to where if it was a lesser team that had these type of injuries or not a cohesive unit, they would have lost because it's hard to win on the road. I don't care how weak your opponent is. It's hard to win on the road. And then you look at their schedule. You may say, oh, well, they might lose a couple of these games now. Well, because of who they are and their culture and, the, and Kyle and he game plans and their defense being deep at defensive line, they can maybe, you know, cover some of these losses up until some of these guys get either healthy or you have their replacement start developing and having some confidence. And will they ever have somebody perform like Bosa? Probably not. But at least he'll have some experience, have some games under his belt. So when it becomes nutcutting time in, in November and December, he's ready to perform and play at a higher level than if it would have happened in November or December. The silver lining that you look for, like Zoe's talking about, is – the ability for other guys to have those game reps. But also, week one, you didn't have your draft pick, Brandon Ayuk, right? He comes back, and now he's going to be gearing up, ready to go. So even as you lose weapons, some guy's getting back healthy again. Maybe you're gaining some weapons. And, and Zach, when you talk about the dynasties that are kind of the outliers or the exceptions to all these rules of sustainability, of excellence, and things like that, the best NFL example of that in recent history is, of course, the New England Patriots. Yep. You can overcome just having like the rank-and-file guys. The superstar defensive names for the New England Patriots became superstar defensive names because they were with the Patriots, not because yeah. of Well, you can, ex- oh, see, you can extend that to the coaching staff. Patricia was a superstar defensive coordinator, and look what he's doing in Detroit. Yeah, huh? and look, but how many years did we see Tom Brady – overachieving with less than stellar talent around him, right, in terms of offensive weapons and things like that. And that's where, as a 49ers fan, and I think anyone who covers this team or observes this team, that's where the question comes in. Because Garoppolo still has that hanging over his head. Seattle's got their man with Russell Wilson. No doubt about that. It looks like Arizona's got something really special developing with Kyler Murray. No doubt about Kyler. Believe me, no doubt. <laughs> so when you got a game breaker at that quarterback position, even losing George Kittle for a few weeks doesn't feel like it's as big of a deal. Garoppolo has not put himself in the category that is occupied by Russell Wilson, certainly, but probably not I mean, even that Kyler Murray's in because you know that he can't do the things with his legs Kyler can. Well, yeah, OC, even Goff. Goff got to the Super Bowl, and that, I mean, the worst Super Bowl of my lifetime, that, like, whatever it was, East Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Rams. I mean, Goff got to the Super Bowl, so you could argue that he's the worst quarterback in the division. And, well, I mean, I'll put him in Goff. Like side by side, respectful to Jimmy G to not elevate him to at least Goff's level. That's true. I mean, well, they've gotten to the same point, and I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to disrespect Jimmy G too much, but do you think that Goff would have missed Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl like Jimmy G did last year? I mean, I to be honest with you, and this is not being like a Niner hater. If I had to have one pass, third and whatever, and I had Goff, 
or Jimmy G as my two options, I would take Golf over Jimmy G. Yeah, I'm rocking with Golf just because he's a cow guy. I mean, it, like bare <laughs> bias. Yeah, within their division, they're three A and three B. Yes, they're, they're right there. The other two guys, I think, are a step up because you obviously Russell should be. A, he's an MVP candidate and has been one for a long time. He's Ky- in a class of his own. Yeah, Kyler is a tear down because he's still growing into what Russell Wilson is. And he just needs more experience. But because of his legs and what he's able to do in extending plays and throwing off schedule, he's above those other two guys because those guys aren't special in the sense of you have to defend them in the run game and the pass game. You know, you've got to stop the receivers and make them, you know, stay in the pocket and you can get to them. Well, Zoe, let's go there because I was going to ask you. And good God, am I going to ask you, we're going to spend probably 45 minutes. I know you don't have that much time, but I would like to spend 45 minutes on what in God's name happened with Atlanta and that onside kick. So I I wanted to go there, but you're leading me more into a more natural progression into Kyler Murray. I want to ask you on that. Isn't it pretty surprising? Because look, I was a huge fan of Kyler Murray. I consume college football, not as much as NFL football. It's not like Christmas Day on Saturday, but it's like, you know, Christmas Eve is Saturday and then Christmas is Sunday. (laughs) But the part about Kyler Murray that has been shocking for me is most guys can't take what they did in college and then just seamlessly do it in the NFL. Now, he didn't seamlessly do it. Last year was a little bit. He had some ups and downs, as any quarterbacks will. But it seems like him, more than any other quarterback that I can come up with, has been able to translate what he did in college to the NFL. Has that been shocking to you, or do you think that that's a progression of how the NFL is going? That's why it's not shocking, because if you put who Kyler Murray is now, and let's say, let's rewind back 10 years, the Uh NFL wasn't in the same place offensively as it is now where you see a lot of college coaches now head coaches that obviously cliff kingsbury is one of his that are running more college style offenses zone read style things you see a lot more of these mobile quarterbacks playing in the league and coaches aren't scared now especially with all these rules around hitting the quarterback and protecting them to really utilize them and so i'm not surprised at all because cliff has really done a great job at accentuating kyler strengths using his legs getting him out on the outside, running him in the game. And then he could throw the ball as well. He's done a great job of bringing him along and developing. Good God, yeah. And so I'm not surprised because Cliff is using him in the proper way to all his strengths and is really – and then you add in DeAndre Hopkins to already solid, you know, offense that has a lot of weapons. To go he, with Larry. Yeah. It's he, a perfect compliment. Can't help but get better. <laughs> he just can't. DeAndre, Larry Fitzgerald, who has spent so much of his career being the focal point, being the main guy that's responsible for everything offensively, him now being the guy that can be the veteran that catches the balls when Hopkins is double teamed or whatever, that combination, and then Murray on his own is like a third wide receiver, even though he's not because of his ability to run. So they basically have three threats every time he drops back. I mean, the combination of all that is what's got them cooking. Yeah, and they got, you know, Christian Kirk who's able to take the top. Isabella, who's also really good. Kenyon Drake. I mean, they have a lot of different guys. Just They got a young kid named Arnold who's a tight end who's going to, I think, he's coming into his own. They're trying to figure out ways to get him the ball. So he has a lot of guys that he can go to. And when they're covered, as you just mentioned, he can run around a little bit. Somebody comes over, finds somebody down the field, or he can scramble and get you 15-20, if not make it an explosion play and turn it into a touchdown. What do you make of him, O.C.? I mean, what did you think of him – making the transition from college to the NFL. Did you see it going this seamlessly? Because to me, I can't think of I mean, Tebow had that little run where it beat the Steelers in a wild card game. But, I mean, let's not use Tebow as an example. But uh, 
<laughs> Give me another example of a guy who went from college to the NFL and made it seem like there was no difference. Well, the early stages of Cam Newton, right, were pretty yep. impressive. That's true. Yep. But then the sustainability question came in with Cam, where it was just like, are we just going to sacrifice that body on the altar of winning because he's not going to be able to run against NFL defenses and take hits on that big target for his whole career. Now he's adjusted himself to be a guy that does a little bit of both. Mike Vick did some interesting things, but it wasn't exactly what he did at Virginia Tech. You know, I'm talking about pre-dogfighting Michael Vick, but they were not playing in offenses that were designed like their college offenses. They were playing for coaches who wanted to utilize some of their talents that they displayed in college, but they weren't running similar languages. They weren't running similar systems, the passing trees, all of that, the blocking schemes, all that was a little bit different. My concern when Kyler Murray was making the transition to the NFL was not about Kyler Murray. My concern was about his coach, Cliff Kingsbury, because Cliff Kingsbury is the only guy I've ever seen who failed upwards. That's a dude who got fired at Texas Tech and ended up an NFL head coach in less than one calendar year. Do you know how bananas that is? That's <laughs> yeah. like getting fired also- from this podcast. <laughs> And then ended up hosting SportsCenter. It just shouldn't happen that way. Friday, how you get fired on your day off? And the best part, OC, is that he said, I would take Kyler Murray, promptly went there, gave Josh Rosen the boot, and took Kyler Murray. And now he's succeeding. The man left Lubbock, Texas, where, look, he did some okay things. He was a loser. He was their favorite son in Lubbock, and he wore out his welcome in his own Basically college hometown, right? Everybody yeah. loved him there. Then he takes a job at USC, which is already an upgrade from being the head coach at Texas Tech. He gets that job, and he doesn't even coach a game. He stays, He recruits a couple of guys. He tells Clay Helton, like, I'm going to save your job. I'm going <laughs> to turn this offense around. And then the Arizona Cardinals call him, and they're just like, hey, uh, we want to do some college concepts. What do you think? He's like, yes. Get me out of here. Yes. It's up in freaking Phoenix. And now he's got one of the most exciting dynamic young quarterbacks and weapons around him. Cliff Kingsbury, I think he's still single. The man has got to be loving his life more than any other NFL head coach. Yes. Shanahan and who else did I say? Fangio got fined for not wearing their masks. And the theory is that Kingsbury wanted to show his grill to the single ladies out there. So he's trying to keep his mask off as long as possible. I want to get to the onside kick, the Cowboys, who should be 0-2, and everybody should be freaking out in the state of Texas. They only care about one. And they should be 0-2, but they're not. Because the Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Falcons, the team that was up 28-3 to in the Super Bowl, God knows I was rooting for Brady not to win another chip. They blew that lead in the Super Bowl. Then they blow this lead against the Cowboys. Lorenzo, of all the positions that you played, I know you played a ton. Please explain to me why the team, who can recover the ball whenever they want, pretended like they were the ones trying to recover the ball and did not touch the ball within 10 yards. You know, I really can't tell you what they've been coached. Somebody actually, I was driving today and I heard on the radio that somebody, I don't know whether it was a coach or a player said, we were coached not to touch the ball. Yep. And so this is what went through my mind. There was a lack of clarity in that coaching point. So if you are doing an onside kick, you have to be 10 yards from where the ball is being kicked. You cannot cross that line until the ball is kicked. 
if the ball does never crosses 10 yards, it's going to be a dead ball. The way the ball <laughs> kicked, it was kicked in a spiral motion, looked like it was going to the sideline, and then it curved and went past the line. And so being, I've been on the front line, and it is one of the most nerve-wracking things because – not only are you thinking about, should I field this ball or should I go try to hit this dude? I used to just go hit the dude because the guy behind me that's supposed to get the ball. But the way that was on the ground, so you don't want to kick it. You don't want to hit it because once you touch it, it becomes live. So I think guys just didn't, nobody wanted to step up and be the hero. You saw number 17 was standing there. He yeah. looked, he kind of backed up like he didn't. I was moving fast enough. You could tell it was going to pass 10 yards. Okay, so Zoe, what you're telling me is, it wasn't that they didn't know the rule. They knew the rule, but they were just worried about touching it. If there's a ball right in front of me, you can fall on it and not worry about you not retaining possession of it. It's not. It's not. It, this is what I'm saying. When a ball is on the ground and it is spinning the way it was spinning, that is not an easy ball to pick up. I don't care who you are. Maybe, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, somebody that touches the ball all the time and just whoop. But if you're up there and you see that ball spinning with guys running at you, in your mind, you're like, I want to go. No, I'm not going to touch it. I don't think it's going 10 yards. Somebody else is going to get it. That yeah. was a time where along that line, everybody was thinking somebody else was going to make the play. It didn't look like it was going to go 10 yards at first. It started curving, and then they all froze up and freaked out instead of somebody being in that position. So I'm assuming all those guys up there were probably young players who hadn't been in that position before. Because the first thing you want to be at anything our coach tells us is be aggressive. And so even if the ball isn't going to go 10 and you feel like the speed up is coming, Go attack the ball and get on it as quick as you can. But that was just a moment of I don't want to get jacked up, and yeah. I'm not quite sure. I'm going to turn it down. I'm going to let somebody else get the ball. I just – I yeah, okay. Anyways, you got anything, O.C.? Because yeah. This is what we can do, though, on this. We can have O.C. be the kicker, him kick you a ball, and we can film this and put it up on our Twitter page. I'm we down. Can't. I will fly to Utah just for this. Yes. So O.C.'s the kicker. Yes. You are going to recover the ball. And I'll and do it 100 out of 100 times. And I'm going to run. I'm going to start <laughs> 10 yards back and run full tilt at yeah, you. And let's see if you pick the ball up. I yes. will. I will every single time. I'll do it 100 out of 100. Wait, wait, hang on. 100 are you allowed to just dream me at full yes. speed? Yes. yes. Yeah, we're simulating what happens on that play. All right, well, I'll just take the ball and I'll go into the fetal position. No. Okay. That ball okay. went on the ground. Look, I can look on the ground. It's, on the ball will not be the problem. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I understand your perspective here, Zachariah, because this is what we think is a fundamental play in football. Everyone knows from Pee Wee on up yes. that you got to be able to field an onside kick when a game is close. You can't let it go 10 yards and all that kind of stuff. Everyone knows it, right? Two things here. Remember, Preparation time was compromised for every NFL team, which means the hands group, the kick return guys, they did not get the same reps that they would have in a normal camp. Now, they should still know, as much as I hate to admit this, your boy was primarily a special teams player, even at the college level, okay? I was no Lorenzo Alexander getting every starting Oh, rep. I figured you'd be able to weigh on this. I figured you were a hands guy. Okay, so <laughs> when you're on that front line, Okay, and I was put on the front line because I was an excellent hitter and blocker, not because I had hands. Okay, <laughs> and twice my senior year, two times, I don't know if somebody scouted me at practice and saw I had cinder block hands or what. Twice, <laughs> I'm the center in the formation. They didn't even line up for an onside kick, but two times they squib kicked it on the ground directly at me. Two times in two different games. And you freeze up in that moment. I know that it's going to go 10 yards. 
I know. And I'm like, how close is the guy behind me? Does he see that this did not go airborne? So can I pass this ball and hit the first guy coming for it and not get in trouble from the coaches because I didn't feel it and the guy behind me got it back? Do I attempt to dive on this ball when it's spinning around like a Tasmanian devil out of hell and then it pops off my chest and then I'm the idiot that fumbled it back to the other team? So I feel for these young men who didn't know what to do in that moment because that happened to me twice. Once against the University of Montana, I did the right thing. And then uh, the other one against Sac State. I don't know <laughs> you if I did the, the right thing. thing. <laughs> it didn't, uh, we didn't lose it, but I, the film Yeah, says, you didn't do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. The That's why yeah. when I was on the front line and I was one of those guys, same as OC on the NFL level, I wasn't there to field it. I, as soon as the ball was kicked, I made a beeline for my guy. Yeah. Somebody getting jacked up. I don't care about the ball. I'm jacking this dude up. He ain't recovering it. And if everybody on the front line just thought like that, then you let the guy that's supposed to get the ball, let him jump on it. I love that mentality. I'm not going to go get the ball, but I'm going to make sure anybody in front of me is not getting the ball. That's exactly right. It's just like, this ball doesn't belong to me, but right. it sure as hell does not belong to you. Right. <laughs> I was just shocked that the players, I mean, first of all, I would have thought the players would have like stood in line and played it off. like no. But they said we were coached. Not to do that. And again, Zoe, you can make all the jokes that you want. I mean, yes, it will not be fun you running full steam ahead of me and laying into me. But I promise you, if a ball is just sitting there in front of me, I will be able to fall on that a hundred out of a hundred times. And I will never fail. It'll never like go between my arms like it's a squiggly pig, like a greased up pig or something. I will get it a hundred out of a hundred times. Now, I might die because you're coming at me, but I will never not hold on to the ball. One of my favorite and least favorite things about you is that you speak in such confident absolutes with literally no knowledge of your ability or lack of ability to do something. I'm saying that my five-year-old nephew could do that. If I told him, fall on the ball and just secure it, he could do it. Five years old. Okay, Zachariah, if that is true, then how... Has anybody ever successfully converted an onside kick ever in the history of football? But hang on. If, that, no, but OC, it's never happened like this. This was to, this was once in a lifetime. We've never seen this where the guy's just looking at it and letting it go 10 yards. Usually there's a scrum. Back in the day before they changed the rules of the kickoff, there was an actual scrum where I could understand it. This was nothing. This was fall on the ball, you moron. Because the ball was squigging. It was curving. It's oh, curving my ass. I get fucked. Dude was talking. Uh, well, you just don't understand the nerves of getting jacked look. up. <laughs> no. Look, Zoe, if you were coming full steam, I might lose my life. But I will lose my life with the death grips on the football. You are right that they should have recovered that ball, okay? We will not take that away from you. They should have yeah. recovered that ball. But, <laughs> but you are bananas if you think that it's just so black and white and so simple. That's what's so crazy about this. That was all the analysis that I wanted. I'm telling you, I might lose my life, but we'll simulate this. We'll go to Salt Lake since Zoe's wife's family's from Utah. I will travel down to Salt Lake. We'll all meet up. <laughs> OC will kick the ball. I will be the recoverer i might die but you will have to pry from my cold dead arms the football i will get the football you won't even have a football <laughs> I, will, I will always get the foot it's so easy anyways let us move on here are the salaries of quarterbacks in the nfl that are at or around cam newton let's start with <laughs> zoe's boy nathan peterman i know he's a big fan of nathan peterman he makes one million dollars a year 
You have James Morgan, who I guarantee you nobody could pick out of a lineup. Plays for the Jets. He makes $1.002 million. Jacob Eason, also never heard of him. Apparently he played for the Colts. Brett Hundley, Sean Mannion, Brian Hoyer, Jameis Winston, I've heard of him. Mike Glennon, heard of him also. Geno Smith, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, Joe Flacco, didn't know he played for the Jets, did you? Jalen Hurts, Eagles, Chad Henney, Chiefs, Nate Sudfeld, the Eagles. Then we get to Cam Newton at 1.75. Above him, Drew Locke, Matt, literally they named a burger after him, pick six job, formerly of the Texans, now plays for the Bills. Robert Griffin III, Colt McCoy, Lamar Jackson, obviously he's well-deserved, Jeff Driscoll, Andy Dalton, Jordan Love, Dwayne Haskins, A.J. McCarron, Chase Daniel, Josh Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, Case Keenum, Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert. I could go on and on and on. My point is, when you look at the Patriots and what they were able to do in Seattle with no fans, felt so weird, especially in Seattle. I've been to that place, and they are not joking. Like They talk about pumping in noise. No, that noise actually comes from the fans. That place is crazy. It was weird seeing no fans up there. But when you were able to see the Patriots be able to go from one play away to win that game after beating Miami last week, isn't it pretty amazing that so many teams passed up on Cam Newton in the offseason? I remember pulling my hair out wondering like, why teams like Chicago or other teams that were a quarterback away or whatever didn't sign Cam Newton, and now kind of the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that had to do with his injury history, probably some of his persona as well, and whether or not, you know, every coach is not a Bill Belichick where you're going to, get Cam's respect. And Bill, is, it looks like he's done a great job of letting Cam be Cam, but I think Cam still knows, okay, there's only so far I'm going to go, and I'm, plus I'm a Patriot now, and I'm with Bill Belichick. So I'm going to do me, but I'm not going to push the limits where some other coaches don't have that culture, don't have that respect level, and then don't really have the locker room to absorb him the same way. And on top of his injury history and really not knowing, because nobody really didn't know if his shoulder was back. That's you know, true. Was his ankle good? How was he going to look? And so because you're almost betting that he be older, okay, I'm going to bet against him. He's not going to come here and play. So, And nobody else is offering him. So I'm a kind of – the NFL is kind of a, a monkey-see-monkey-do. So it must be something bad about him. And then, you know, it just comes late. You only get one offer. And then, all right, that's where I'm going to go. But, Zoe, how much do you think – honestly, if you're a GM, if you're an owner, if you're a coach, and you're looking at your squad and you're going, if we can add a guy – who went 15-1 and one and went to the Super Bowl and was the MVP, and we can add this guy to our roster, you're telling me that the off-the-field stuff had that much to do with him not being signed as you think just as much as the injury concern? Uh, no, I'm saying that's part of it. I'm not saying that's the main reason. I, I would say the injuries were probably a bigger part of it and not knowing where he was at. Now, if I think if COVID hadn't happened and he had the ability to go train and work out. And show, yeah would have been a much different offseason for Cam. But because you really didn't know, you really didn't have eyes on, I don't know how GMs were handling that. Were they sending people out or not? But apparently not. And so you don't really know. People are not going to invest more than a little bit more than a minimum on a player that they're really not sure about that's older who's been hurt the last couple of years. They're just not going to invest that type. Of, and they didn't feel like maybe he could add to their team you know, in a way that you're talking about winning the Super Bowl or getting to the playoffs. No one is going to ever sign Cam Newton to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, okay, where that's a guy who bounced around the league and everyone was still happy to keep him on rosters and keep him handsomely paid because they were like, he's going to mentor younger guys. He's going to be a coach in the QB room. And when it comes time for us to put him on the field, we still think he can win us games. 
Cam doesn't have that reputation, whether it's justified or not. He has been seen as a little bit more of a me guy. And maybe this season, maybe him going, and that's a pretty humble move from a former MVP to go play for a million dollars and do things in a way that he hasn't had to do them before. Like maybe this changes that reputation a little bit. Maybe Cam never earned that reputation in the first place, but we know how it is. Yeah. When you're a young, brash, black quarterback, you're going to be treated a little bit differently, even inside of NFL circles. And don't forget that injury history matters, especially when you're the kind of player that Cam Newton is. If Cam Newton didn't have a live arm and the ability to get outside of the pocket and throw off schedule, like Zoe likes to say, then what is Cam Newton? He's just a tight end. He's just a big old dude. He's got to have, if you're worried about his arm and his ability to run, that's everything that Cam had. Cam, it's not like, you know what, he's always dissecting defenses perfectly and he's throwing with incredible accuracy. You're looking at that guy and you're saying, I need him to be able to bomb it when we need him to, force balls into tight spaces when we need him to, and in an emergency, he's got to be able to spin out of a tackle and get me a first down. If injuries were causing me to question his ability to do those things, I'm not going to sign him. And the Patriots are the only place where you can go and be underpaid like Cam is and have it not hurt your ego. Cam can sign with the Patriots and say, I'm part of something that is different. I'm part of Bill Belichick's little coaching tree. I'm doing something I've never done before. If he goes to the Jets for a million dollars or the Browns for a million dollars – Everybody else is laughing at his ass. You don't have to worry about that with your reputation if you're going to the Patriots. So it's a perfect marriage. I just can't stand, maybe this is a little bit of a reflection of myself, but what I can't stand is people saying, he's great, but, or the job that he does is amazing, but. I don't care about the but ever. I don't care, like, anything that I'm doing, if you're helping me get to the final thing that I'm trying to get to like Dennis Rodman with the bulls, right? He was a complete nut job, dyed his hair, all certain to colors, piercings everywhere was out clubbing, dating Madonna, doing whatever, talking about, you know, doing books, dressing up in a wedding dress. I don't give a damn. Did he rebound and defend the hell out of anybody else that was doing it? Yes. So I don't give a damn about any of that other stuff. So what I can't stand me personally. And so you might be right. It could be in part because They couldn't bring him in to see exactly where his shoulder was. And obviously, he did not look like himself the past couple of years. So injury concerns were legit. But I think that you're right that people were more concerned with what his post-game and pre-game outfits were or whatever, which to me, I don't give a damn about. How good are you on the field? And to me, the Patriots, who were losing Tom Brady after two decades, all of a sudden just fell into having Cam Newton when – any other team, look at Chicago, look at other teams that needed a quarterback and just didn't pick them up because of what I think is not the injury stuff, it's the off-the-field stuff. Yeah, and OC kind of hit it to it. I mean, young, brash, black quarterback, too. I mean, quarter- who cares? Hey, oh, they do. So, who cares? Who cares? The, whole, the league cares. Okay. And but yeah, the owners care, so. One of the guys that they asked to, to take your cornrows out. So, I mean, they do care. People care about it. If you're yeah. going to bring in a guy and then ask him to do that, so let's not act like it doesn't matter. It does matter. Should it matter? No, it should matter what you do. But we know we don't live in that type of world. And so who you are as a person, especially as a quarterback in the face of a franchise, it matters in how you convey yourself and, and people perceive you. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent, 
that's just the way the world works right now. You have to understand that. And I think Cam understands that, and he's okay. Yeah, but, but, but so, Zell, that bothers me. I don't care if we're playing dominoes. People, of course. Okay, but no, I, I don't care if we're playing dominoes, we're playing spades, we're playing pickup hoop. I don't give a damn if your hair is green. I don't care which way you fly. I don't care about anything. Do you give me the best chance to win? And a lot of teams looked at Cam and said, this guy could give us the best chance to win and then chose not to sign him. That irks the dog piss out of me. It's a lot of people. So go buy a team and change the culture in the league. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Let me tell you. That easy. Hey, Zachariah. Yeah. Let, let me tell you the best example of why you are not thinking like an NFL owner or GM. Because, because the examples you just used, it says, if I'm playing spades, which none of them have ever played, I'm playing dominoes, which none of them have ever played, or I'm Play playing those games. Poop, none of them have ever played. Like, <laughs> you, the three games. Okay, cribbage. What is it? Cribbage? Yeah. Chess? Chess? Whatever. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm playing squash at the golf club, I don't want yes. this. If you're the best badminton player, I want you on my squad. I don't care how you roll. And look, like I, I really do think that the NFL is getting better about those kinds of things. And especially with as many different markets and different teams, Cam Newton will be culturally accepted in whatever place if he contributes, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. But <laughs> this is a guy who's been battling perception problems. Since he was in college, right? He had to leave University of Florida. He had to go to a JUCO because he got into trouble. He got paid to go to Auburn, and people don't like hearing about that. You remember when he did the Gruden's quarterback camp thing? Oh, yeah. They made him look like he was an idiot. Yeah. I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but I think it was the episode after, like, Andrew Luck. They ask Andrew Luck, what's your favorite play in the offense? And Andrew Luck gives you a 14-line paragraph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they say, Cam Newton, what's your favorite play? And I think it, what he said was seven because it was laid out like that. They, they made yeah. Cam Newton, deliberately or not, they painted Cam Newton as the big, dumb, talented guy. They, wow. Like that's not what NFL GMs – and like if you'd never have a conversation with a GM for – that team, the Vikings who need a good backup quarterback or whatever, or an alternative option. If you've never actually talked with those guys and all they see of you is the funny hats and the weird hair. And they remember when they saw you do that interview, especially in COVID era, they're not going to fly you out and give you a chance. Right. You know? now, so and to your point, OC, I got a, one of my homeboys, Jordan Palmer does quarter. He's like a quarterback guru, trains all the people yeah. like back in the league for quite a while. And to your point, they say they normally have, a couple of different type of quarterbacks, right? You have the guy that's going to be the starter, and then if he's a backup guy, you have a guy that's going – maybe you're grooming, but normally like the older vets, some of the vets that we just named, they're there to be the third coach, you know. You got the OC, the quarterback coach, and then you got this old vet that's sitting there. He ain't worried about playing. He's game planning, looking at things, and trying to help groom the person in front of him. And so I think that negated Cam from a lot of things in regards because he's not at that point of his career where he wants to be that. I don't know if he's up to doing that type of stuff. And so I think that probably took off some of those other teams that probably have their guy. Yes, Cam may be better than them, but in that organization's mind right now, they're rocking with their guy. And the only way they're going to bring in a vet like Cam is for him to be somebody that's going to be tutoring, mentor, and but yeah, I need you to be ready just in case this guy gets hurt or is not ready. Josh McCown, you guys know the Josh McCown contract? Still playing. What, he got a million on practice squad? Or was he doing a 300000 He doesn't even have to go to practice. Right. 
He's their emergency backup quarterback who zooms in to the quarterback meeting room, and he's their third-string guy. He helps coach, and they're just like, if we have an emergency, we'll fly you out. Homeboy doesn't even have to go to practice. Cam Newton, right or wrong, will never be treated that way because we don't think of him as the playbook mastery, break down the defense kind of guy. And he's just, I mean, he's proven people wrong, hopefully. Yeah. And he's with Bill Belichick, and it's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, he's playing hell of football right now. Really good football. I just think it's crazy that New England is fortunate enough to get a guy who was a former MVP that led his team to a 15-1 and record and got to the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, the Patriots, who didn't even actively pursue him, he basically, they waited around for months and was just like, all right, fuck it. Let's sign Cam Newton. I mean, it wasn't even like they went after him aggressively. They were just like, yeah, okay, one point whatever million, we'll take him. Anyways, let's move on. We got two more things to get to because I know Zell's got to go. Number one, he's wearing a grumpy T-shirt, which is one of the seven dwarfs. I want to get into what your favorite dwarf is. Grumpy is not my favorite. I'm learning now that that is Zoe's favorite because he's wearing that shirt. But before we get to that, we have to talk about Monday Night Football. And this is near and dear to my heart. Zoe, I know that you and I, even though, by the way, you got so much flack. You came off really bad when you were saying, don't get it twisted. We didn't play on the same team. I came down from varsity to play. People didn't like the way that you sounded pompous on that. But anyways. You think I about them people? I don't know none of them. The people that play with us, how they feel about it. I'm just saying, you and I played on the same team for a game, true or false? I'll be pompous. True or false? Huh? True or false, you and I played on the same team for one game? That's true. Yes. Okay. We'll take it. So, where did you specifically grow up? Because I don't know specifically. Like, what city? Oakland. I'm one of Okay, no, I'm not. I was just I, I literally didn't know specifically where you grew up. I'm asking this because I'm a Berkeley boy and obviously we don't have any teams in Berkeley, but we have Oakland teams. We used to have three. Now we're down to one and they had Monday Night Football from Vegas, which the Raiders moved from from Oakland after coming back from L.A. after leaving Oakland prior to that. Wow. Anyways, they did a tribute before where Tim Brown and I thought that this was. Again, not from Oakland, but from the city adjacent to Oakland. So I feel like I should be able to at least have some emotions. I took Bart to all the games, Raiders games, A's games, Warriors games, all that. So I feel like even though not specifically from Oakland, Berkeley close enough where I can feel like I can weigh in on this emotionally, there was a part of me seeing Tim Brown do that that made me feel good. They could have easily brushed it aside, not addressed Oakland at all, and just said, hey, we're in Vegas. This is the new stadium. This is a new beginning. Forget Oakland or whatever. They specifically, in the beginning of the broadcast, I'm not sure if you saw it, right from the beginning on ABC, Tim Brown did a monologue basically giving a tribute to Oakland, saying to everybody, we see you fans. We love you fans. You're the heartbeat. Even though we're in Vegas, we know that this started in Oakland, and our heartbeat is still in Oakland. I just wanted to know how you felt about that. Now, knowing that you grew up in Oakland, did you Uh, think it was enough? Did you like it? I wasn't a Raider fan. Second of all, it's smart to do it. Wherever you come in, and I have friends that actually work with Mark Davis, and so I know it came from a sincere place. And so not only is it right to do it and acknowledge the Oakland fan base that was probably one of the most revered fan bases as far as who they are, the black hole, and what they mean to the league. You know, you think about Bill's Mafia, you think about yeah. the Steel Curtain, the Raiders and the black hole, the Raider Nation is right up there with all those great fan yeah. bases. Players talk about going yeah. there. Coaches yeah. talk about it. Yeah. 
So it was great to do it from that perspective. Obviously, you wish it was a little bit more. Fans could have actually been there, and they could have got it a little bit more too. But because of broadcasting restrictions, you only can get so much. Two is smart because when I played for the Oakland Raiders, we used to have, I don't know, I mean, probably half the stadium, it felt like they actually drove down from L.A. to the games every week. And yep. so not only do I want to show my respect and gratitude for what you guys have done, but I also want to make you feel like you're still included in this and that we have not forgot you, that you are still part of this Raider family. And so now we want to make sure you get on your Southwest flights every week, driving to Vegas and participating yep. with us. And so it was good, on, I think, on a lot of different levels to do something like that. Obviously, Tim Brown is one of the greats and include Oakland because not only are you showing gratitude and being grateful and all those great things, but you're also making sure that they know that they're still part of it. I, we left. We didn't want to leave. And you are still part of this thing, even though we're in Vegas now. And so now we'll get fans coming from L.A., Oakland, and then we'll start cultivating this fan base in Vegas as well. You guys know the Raider fan base a lot better than I do. The, the one year I worked out there for a radio station happened to be the flagship home of the Raiders and got to do Raiders' official postgame show and all that stuff. It was incredible to actually see the dedication of those fans. I would walk through the tailgate pretty much every game, every home game, and just kind of experience that NFL because I grew up in Utah, so we don't have an NFL team. Just experience kind of the, the passion and the dedication of those fans. I was never a Raider fan, but the idea that they lost their team, no fault of any of those people, right? That's tough, and it just sucks that it's all about money and it's all about rebranding and all that stuff. So the players, the staff that work for the team – they were not beneficiaries of any kind of movement to Vegas. And I think that the idea that it's them who have to kind of bridge that gap when ownership just tried to burn the bridge and was just like, ah, we don't care. We're going to Vegas. I mean, whatever gesture you can do is a worthy one because those Oakland fans deserve their shout outs whenever you can get it. Yeah, no doubt. And look, I think that they did probably. Zoe actually made me think that it was a little bit more based on being intelligent for future possible monetary aspirations or whatever, which I hope that was not the case. It, it did genuinely feel like Mark Davis did not want to leave Oakland. He did want to be there. Look, I understand both Oakland and look, I was with Libby Schaff when the beast mode store opened up for Marshawn Lynch. Like I walked down there and opened up the store with Marshawn Lynch and, and Libby. Like I get why Oakland said, look, we're not going to pay for your stadium. And I get why Mark Davis is one of the least profitable owners in the entire NFL. So he needed help. And Vegas said, look, we'll pay for it. So I get why they left. And I like that it's not super far. Like it could have been in Texas. They were talking about San Antonio. It could have went different places. And Vegas, like you said, Zoe, people can get on their Southwest flights and go down there or whatever. They can come from L.A. They can come from the Bay. Hell, for the L.A. people, it's even closer. So there's different parts to it. But, yeah, it was just – it was bittersweet seeing something that could have been in Oakland. Like I wish it could have worked out, but I understand on both ends why it didn't. Real quickly before we get to the seven dwarfs, what do you make of the actual Raider team? They go 2-0. and They beat the Saints last night. Derek Carr has always been a guy to me. When everything is going right, he looks like a great quarterback, but he's not the kind of guy that you can rely on when things break down. But last night, I mean, obviously having Jacobs is a huge part to his game, and they've spent the most amount of money on their offensive line, even though they were down their first two tackles. What do you make of the actual squad, though? 
I really like what I saw. I think they're doing a great job. I was there. I played with Derek, and so I really love the quarterback and the person that he is. Obviously, he hasn't always performed up to where he's been at before, and I think a lot of that had to do with the injury, and so maybe he can work through some of these things this season and really get back to where he once was before Gruden got there because I know they've had some relational things kind of back and forth. But obviously, Jacobs is great. Rashard had some great runs last night, covering up some mistakes. Defense plays solid. You know, anytime you can hold Drew Brees to, what was that, 17? I know they got 24 late, but the game was pretty much in check by then. They looking solid right now. And so you want to see if they're able to sustain success. You know, it's easy to win two games. Every game is hard to win in the league. It's easy to be 2-0, but can you sustain that? Because I've been on teams that went 6-1, and 6-2, and and didn't make the playoffs. Damn. <laughs> So I want to see some success before I start crowning folks. But right now, they're going in the right direction. They look good, running the ball, passing the ball, playing some solid defense. And so they just want to continue to get better. I want to see the pass rush pick up. If I had to see something just kind of grow a little bit better, more effective pass rush, which I know they can do with Crosby up in the front, seeing that continue to get a little bit better as the season goes along. Oh, see, what do you think? Do they look for real? Like, to be honest with you, as much as I, you know, want the Raiders to succeed, even though they're in Vegas now, feels a little bit more like fool's gold than I would go like real gold in terms of their 2-0 and start. Uh, look, I'm not a believer that they're going to be a factor when we get down to the, the home stretch of the season. Not uh, even a wild card? Maybe a wild card, but uh, are they a championship contending team? No, I mean, no, 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 no. I'm just no, talking look, about they're, Look, they've they got an incredible offensive line, which is a leg up really on anything. Derek Carr is, if not a tier one or even maybe tier two quarterback, he's at least an interesting guy that can give you flashes of excellence. I still have questions about his weapons though. You know, I mean, Ruggs, we'll see what he ends up panning out to be. He's obviously got elite speed. I'm not a hundred percent sold like everyone else is on Darren Waller because he's just, he's a pass catching tight end. He's a, he's a giant wide receiver. I, I The best tight ends in this league are guys who can do a little bit of everything. Who can do yeah, both. but I think I think with Waller, Ruggs, and Jacobs, you've got enough around him where he can feel comfortable. Anyway, Zoe's got to go, so we'll do this real quick. Favorite dwarf for Zoe, it is grump, wearing a grumpy dwarf. I, I'm a dopey guy, as you can imagine. Dopey is my dwarf, so OC. Oh. <laughs> I used to walk around the halls at school looking dopey. Exactly. You didn't need to agree so quickly, Lorenzo. You could have at least given me a pause on that. Uh, that's perfect. <laughs> Anyways, I'm a dopey guy. Of all the dwarfs, uh, OC, since Grumpy and Dopey have been taken, who's your guy? Oh, you're probably – there's not a hungry, is there? Because you're a fat guy inside, huh? There's no hungry, so I'll go with sleepy, all right? Because okay. I enjoy a little – I enjoy taking a nap. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, everybody listening, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at two Z's and OC. Do you have to and, spell uh, out two Z's? Spell out two Z's or is it just Z-Z-A-N-D-O-C? Uh, OC, it is two Z's. Two Z-S and OC uh, on Twitter and Instagram. All that good stuff. All right. <laughs> you sound so enthused. It wasn't easy because they don't let you do numbers in like, you know, whatever. Anyways, it's not easy being peace. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon, Pippin. Later. Holla.